So Luke chapter 6, starting reading at verse 1. This is God's word. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields. And his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus, answering them, said, Have you not even read this? What David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those who were with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they may find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Amen. We'll end our reading there at the end of verse 11, and we know that God blesses us when we read his truth. We're going to pray now and ask for God's help to understand his word. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that you have given us the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, And you have revealed yourself to us in those scriptures. So we pray today for your help. We pray for the help of the Holy Spirit to testify with our spirit about who Jesus is, that he is Lord. And indeed, with this passage, that he is Lord of the Sabbath. We pray that you would help us to understand, to believe and to apply this to our own lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sure uh, most of us uh, heard the story uh, about the late queen around the time of her death. I just loved this story. Uh, Do you remember one of her personal protection team told the story? Um, It was about the queen being out for a walk around Balmoral and they bumped into a a couple of American tourists and the Queen started chatting to these tourists but they didn't recognise her Uh, and they asked her if she lived around there and she says yes I have a house nearby which is of course true if you count Balmoral Castle as a house. Um, The Americans went on to speak about did you know the Queen actually has a home in this area And they asked her if she'd ever met the Queen. To which she replied, no, 
but this man has, and she pointed at her bodyguard. It's a remarkable story, and it tells us a lot about the Queen's sense of humour. But I also think it's an illustration of what's going on in our passage today. You see, what we have here in this passage are two events that take place on the Sabbath. And in both of these events, the the religious leaders of the day are affronted about what is happening. And they, the the Pharisees and the scribes, claim to be the self-appointed keepers of the Sabbath. They are the experts in the Sabbath. But they have no idea that the Lord of the Sabbath himself, God the Son, is standing right there in front of them. They're so deep in their own ignorance that they even go as far as accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. The Lord of the Sabbath is right there in front of them. They're having a conversation about the Sabbath. But like those American tourists, they have no idea who they're talking to. And they don't have any idea of the irony of the subject they were talking to him about. But what we're going to see through these two events and and through the interaction that Jesus has with the Pharisees is that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And by that, what do we mean? Well, we mean that Jesus is the central fulfillment of the Sabbath. And Jesus is the central figure of the Sabbath. But before we dig into this passage, it it might be helpful to to kind of have an outline sketch of what we mean when we talk about the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? The Westminster Confession of Faith gives us some helpful direction. I'm going to read a, a couple of paragraphs from the Confession. This is a, a summary of what the Bible teaches about the Sabbath. It's just going to help us have an idea of what's going on. These are a couple of of paragraphs from chapter 21. As it is the law of nature that in general a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God, so in his word by a positive, moral and perpetual commandment binding all men in all ages... God has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week and from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which in scripture is called the Lord's Day and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their works, words and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. So that kind of describes for us what the Sabbath is for us. And it's a, it's a little different from what is going on with the Pharisees that Jesus is dealing with. 
not least they, they would have held Saturday as their Sabbath, the last day of the week. But on this side of the resurrection, it's been changed to a Sunday, which we refer to as the Christian Sabbath or the Lord's Day. But there are clearly still aspects of the Sabbath that have, have transferred to a Sunday. And they're binding on us to, to keep as the Lord's Day. They are part of God's law as it's found in the, the fourth of the Ten Commandments. You see, what Jesus is not doing in this passage is saying anything goes on the Lord's Day. He's not abolishing the Sabbath. What he's doing is essentially clearing it up. He's, he's removing from it the, the commandments and the traditions of men. And he's demonstrating that the Sabbath, both before his coming and ever since, is really all about him. Jesus is the central fulfillment of the Sabbath and the central figure of the Sabbath. We're going to think about one at a time. Jesus is the central fulfillment of the Sabbath. You can picture the scene. It's uh, not like a, a, a or it's a, a bit like a, a sunny day, a sunny August uh, Sunday afternoon, and you're out walking the roads in the countryside, and there's blackberries growing in the hedgerow, and so you you pick a few and eat them as you walk. The disciples are are walking through the grain fields. And as they walk, they, they pick some heads of grain and they rub them in their hands to remove the husk and, and then they snack on the grain. But they were spotted by the Pharisees and, and the Pharisees call them out for doing something that isn't lawful on the Sabbath. You see, over time, the, the religious leaders in, in the, the Jewish community had, had made additions to the law of God. They, they wanted everybody to be really guarded about what they did and they didn't do. And one area that they had added to was about what you can do and can't do on the Sabbath. And they'd actually listed 39 things which were considered work and people were forbidden to do those things on the Sabbath. 11 of the rules were to do with making bread. People were forbidden from sowing, plowing, reaping, binding, sheaths, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, and baking. Other laws were to do with lighting fires and how you could put your clothes on. And so when the Pharisees made their accusation that the disciples were doing something that was unlawful on the Sabbath, they were really getting at this making of bread stuff. The disciples had picked the heads of grain and rubbed them in their hands. And so technically, yes, they were reaping. They were selecting. They were grinding the grain. All of these were violations of the Pharisees' law book, the Mishnah. Jesus, well, Jesus leapt in to defend his disciples against this accusation. This is a total aside, but I think this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does. What does Jesus do for his people? Well, he leaps in. He, he comes to our aid. He takes our side against sin, the world, and the devil. He steps into the gap. He, he stands up for his people. When we face troubles of all kinds, Jesus is there to stand up for us when we can't stand for ourselves. 
In response, Jesus cites an example from the Old Testament. You can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 16. David and his men are hungry. And so they ate the bread which had been set apart in the temple as what was known as the show bread, the, the bread that sat in the presence of God. Jesus reminds the Pharisees it was only lawful for the priests to eat this bread. But the greatest king in all of the kingdom of Israel in their whole history, King David, he ate that bread and gave it to those who were with him. The Pharisees were put in their place. And then Jesus goes even further to say the son of man. He's talking about himself. The son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, don't talk to me about breaking the law. I am the law. Jesus is exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and and he's calling them to account for it. He demonstrates that he is the central fulfillment of the Sabbath. You see, the Pharisees, well, well, they knew their law pretty well. That's not up for dispute. But their law was not the law of God. It was the law of man. It was made up by people. It wasn't given by God. That may have begun pretty innocently, making sure that people stayed on the right side of God's law, but eventually the Pharisees became more concerned with how their law was kept and they didn't think too much about God's law or God's word. And Jesus points this out, verse 3. You see what Jesus says? Have you not even read this? He's highlighting they don't actually know their own Old Testament. They think they are the righteous ones because they're keeping all of these man-made laws, but in reality, they're not righteous. They don't even know God's word, let alone God himself. They're like those American tourists. The God who wrote the word, who, who is the word of God, Jesus Christ himself, is standing before them. And they don't recognize him. The disciples had not broken any of God's laws in what they had done. And and Jesus is quick to point that out to the Pharisees. Indeed, King David, out of hunger, wants to eat the bread reserved for the priests. And then Jesus makes sure that they know who he is. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. What he says goes on his day. I don't know if any of you ever have played the the card game Uno. Has anybody played Uno before? In in Uno, there are loads of rules. And in most families or groups of friends, there are rules that that you keep, but that aren't part of the rule book of the game. Putting a, a plus two on top of a plus four, for example, is that allowed or is it not allowed? And so as you sit down to play with each group, you have to kind of decide what rules are we going to play by? What if you were playing with the inventor of the game? The one who invented Uno? Well, you would have to play by his rules, wouldn't you? And if there was a dispute, all eyes would turn to him or her. All eyes would turn to them to resolve the issue. 
Well, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the creator God, the one who made the heavens and the earth. The word of God who who gave the law to his people. And so there's no dispute or argument with him over the rules and regulations. He sets the rules and regulations. He is the law of God. He is Lord of the Sabbath. What he says goes. Friends, I think that's really helpful for us today because many of us, and, and I include myself in this, we have a tendency to be like the Pharisees. We have a tendency to set up rules and regulations for the Christian life. And we keep those rules ourselves and we condemn others for not keeping them. But often the rules that we set are made up by ourselves. They're they're not given by God. We hold to many traditions. How people should dress what people should or shouldn't drink, what music people should listen to, what movies they should watch. We're even pedantic about what building we worship in or or where we sit in that building during the service. I'm not going to do this, but if I asked you to, to switch sides some Sunday, do you know that the God that you worship wouldn't change? Jesus won't have changed. We should not allow our own man-made traditions get in the way of the central truth. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He is the reason we worship God on a Sunday. He is the one we worship and he is the one we worship through because of his blood spilled on Calvary. The one who has kept the law of the Old Testament perfectly on our behalf. He is the central fulfillment of the Sabbath. We are able to be here to worship on a Sunday because of Jesus. And it is him that we worship. He should be our focus. Don't allow other things to get in the way of that. Not all the worldly things like how we look or where we sit. That brings us to our next point. Jesus is the central figure of the Sabbath. This comes in the second section of our our passage on another Sabbath. Jesus encounters a man with a withered hand. And knowing that the Pharisees have their eyes on him, they're watching him and he knows what they're thinking. Jesus asked them a question, verse 9. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy? And this kind of drills down into what the Sabbath is really all about. And how Jesus is the, the central figure of the Sabbath. The, the whole point of the Sabbath was and is to show the people of God a vision of heaven. It's to show us the heavenly reality, a picture of what lies before us as God's people when we enter into his perfection. It's about resting from the things of this world. It's about showing devotion to the God who made us putting off and and putting away the the effects of sin 
so that we can enjoy God perfectly and glorify him. And so Jesus, again, he's highlighting the, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Because what they want is not the perfection of the true Sabbath. What they want is power and control. And both of those things lead to destruction. They are adamant that their laws should be followed. Even to the point where this man's hand would not be healed if it were down to them. The man had a withered hand. But as far as the Pharisees are concerned, it's not life-threatening. And so healing it is not necessary. It could wait another day. They are less concerned about healing a man's hand so long as everybody follows their laws and they still have power. When Jesus heals the man's hand and he gives us a a glorious glimpse, a, a, a peel back of the curtain into the heavenly reality as well as totally exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and scribes. He's basically showing them that he has come to see of life. Their priority is to destroy it. And so while they are the experts, they have totally misunderstood what the Sabbath is all about. It's all about Jesus. He is the Lord of the Sabbath and he's standing there right in front of them. But again, like those American tourists, they can't recognize him, even though he's before their very faces. Friends, the same can often be said about us. I know it can be said about me at times. We get so caught up about what is right and what is wrong in the church and in the Christian life, and especially when it comes perhaps to the Sabbath, that we fail to notice the Lord of the Sabbath is right in front of us. We fail to realize it's all about Jesus. We have have gathered here today to worship Jesus. To worship the one who offers us new birth, who, who gives us eternity with him in heaven, who saves life, doesn't destroy it. We have the privilege and pleasure of meeting with him to worship him. And yet we turn it into a man-made thing about rules and regulations and what we get from it. In the book of Revelation, we read about Jesus saying to the church in Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And so often we, we think of that verse as, as Jesus speaking to unbelievers who should ask him into their hearts. But Jesus is speaking to a church there. He's speaking to a church that has become lukewarm. A church who have forgotten their first love. A, a church who, as my granny would say, who needed a good shake. I hope that isn't us today. But if it is, let's remember. Let's be called back to our first love. Jesus is here. He's meeting with us today by his word and spirit. He is the Lord of this day. 
Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't make it about you. What you get to do and what you don't get to do. It's about Jesus. He is the central figure of the Sabbath. What a joy it is. What grace and privilege it is that we get to meet with him on this, his day. Let me pray for us.